Sport Tech with Abu, where you can listen anywhere on your portable devices. This is a series of episodes with different topics discussed on disabilities, different backgrounds, religious, sports, technology and people in the disability section because we're always trying to be equal and be equalized with everyone. So you can listen to this on your various platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, Acast, Google Podcasts or any other platforms, online podcast services that are out there. And you're joined with your host Abu Bakr, the podcast called Sport Tech with Abu. So subscribe, like, comment and share Sport Tech with Abu. Wherever you're going, you will always travel all over the world, 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 all over with the beautiful voice of Sport Tech with Abu. Don't forget to tune in to the Equalizers every Monday morning from 10 on 90.6 FM Heritage Radio. Welcome to Heritage 90.6 FM. Sorry about the voiceover back because uh, because I'm vision impairment and everyone's got learned because I'm schizophrenia. We now joined with Julia. Hi, welcome to the show, Julia. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. And thank you for inviting me to speak on your program. Could you tell us a bit about yourself and your organisation? Asti is um, a small charity dedicated to supporting adults with Asperger's syndrome. People with Asperger's. Yes, it does. Um, Abdurrahman, you got some questions to ask uh, Julia. What 
can you describe about the probabilities of the condition developing at early stages in life? What that, are some of the early symptoms? That could be to a child or an adult. Well, I understand that people are born with this neurological difference. I think children don't exhibit the same, they're not able to mix so easily with other children. I think because very often they are not understood, it can lead to lots of frustration. Many frustrations can lead to meltdowns. I think it's important if you think your child is different and not easy to get along with, it's a good idea to see if they can get a diagnosis because diagnosis can help the child and the parent to understand why that child is different. And when we understand why somebody is different, we work hard not to put extra pressure on them. Is there any chance of the condition developing to the extent of becoming a cause of death? Many people with Asperger's have successful family relationships and if they have employers who understand them and appreciate their special abilities, things can work well for them. But very often, because they are not understood, most employers seem to want team players and Asperger's are not always comfortable with, lots of, with, with a lot of people or in, in noisy, uh, a noisy situation. That can sort of lead to them um, enormous frustrations leading to uh, uh, anxiety, depression, self-harm and suicidal tendencies. I played blind sports and you said you got football team. Um, so is it only with Asperger's or could it be like with another condition that's uh, joint with Asperger's as well? Very often people with Asperger's have several other co-occurring conditions. They might have ADHD, OCD, um, paranoia, dyslexia and dyspraxia. So it's affiliated with other disorders then? Yes. Yes. As usually, they have quite a lot to put up with really. Also, but they are very talented, they're highly intelligent, yeah, very yeah. talented, but very focused. They're usually focused in particular areas, you know, some are, are, make very good accountants, mm. um, some are very good at uh, computer programming and coding and goodness knows what. They can have particular abilities, which are a huge benefit. Some schools used to have some special need ends now they don't have them for a couple of years now certain schools have started having them again like one of my family members she works at uh, William Grammar School with a special need uh, SEN group with autistic and do you think it's a lack of uh, organisation at the minute that not many schools or education are having these uh, people with uh, Asperger's? I think lots of parents when they realise that their child is different and they try to get um, the schools to recognise the difficulties that the child is having in school, I think parents have quite a battle on their hands to try and get some support and a diagnosis. So you're saying it would be quite a struggle to find diagnosis for a parent or a child? The Autism Act recognise the needs of adults on the spectrum. Lots, lots of people have gone through life without being diagnosed, just finding life very difficult to cope with because people don't understand them. If they can be diagnosed as children and understand their difference, and parents um, and the rest of society and employers understand them, it can be much easier. Yeah, I understand your... Happier and healthier life. I understand you're stressful of uh, like some schools or education people not but um, if um, anyone want to get hold of your organisation or your um, how can they contact your organisation? www.aspie.org.uk A-S-P-I-E Aspie is an affectionate name for a person with Asperger's A for apple, S for sugar, P for Peter, I for ink, 
started by an adult uh, who was diagnosed when she became adult. Um, and everybody connected with, uh, you know, I'm her mother. Uh, everybody connected with Asperger either has Asperger's or looks after somebody with it. So we all live with the condition all the time. My daughter had problems at school, college, university and in the workplace. And when she was studying for accountancy um, and doing her exams, her psychologist realised that perhaps she had Asperger's and Sarah was diagnosed and she was pleased to be, pleased to realise why she was as she was and why people treated her as she did. When she was um, unfairly dismissed, she fought the unfair dismissal and when she got back into work, she used her legal accountancy and charity experience to set up Aspie because there, there are other groups for people on the autistic spectrum, but they usually meet for a couple of hours once a month in a pub where you can't do activities together or learn to make friends or improve your social skills, just meeting people once a month, which is why she set up Aspie with our own building, with pockets of rooms where members can be together and where we are able to give counselling and mentoring support, or to come to Aspie at the peer support, but also being able to have problems sorted out stops them escalating. It helps to avoid, to avert, um, uh, you know, depression and crisis. Julia, I have another question. Would you say that it's best that it's uh, diagnosed earlier so it can be treated? Some people don't want a diagnosis. Some people don't want the label. But if, you know, some people, some of our members have sort of had several jobs not finding that they're able to fit in where they work. And of course that's very, very stressful. You keep losing your job and you don't. Employers want team players, you know. They want you to sort of uh, be able to do a bit of everything, mix and mingle and talk about Love Island. Well, people on the autistic spectrum haven't got much time for trivial stuff. They want to be allowed to do what they're good at, do their work. Um, and, and just get on with it. Like you said earlier in this conversation about COVID-19, uh, before and after, how has it affected your organisation? Because you said you did once a week a, uh, a catch-up, like a coffee type of uh, people used to come and have a chit-chat. So how has that affected during and before and after the COVID-19? Well, it was
form new routines, encouraging them to go out to walks, you know, for the daily exercise, to try new recipes, to try and get some rest, do virtual tours, keep in touch with each other. And then as soon as the first lockdown ended, we were able to open up again on a limited basis. And we are open now. We are open. Um, support groups can open um, for reduced numbers. So now we're operating both farms. As I say, I get calls, calls and emails daily from people in distress because with lockdown, um, lots of voluntary and statutory organisations Going forward in the next five to ten years, what are you planning to do? This is the last question. And like, what are you planning to do in the next five and ten years? And then after that, if you want to give your email address and phone number out again. So what are you planning to do in the next five to ten years? Well, I hope to put some systems and people in place so that we're always there. As I say, we're in our tenth year now. Our members do value. They do value. As I say, we're very different from any other organisation um, because we're tailored completely Thank you very much for that, Julie, again. If you want to just give your email address, uh, the website and the phone number, uh, someone might have just clicked on the radio and I was saying, what a beautiful interview we've done with Julia from the Asperger's group. So if you just want to give your email address, a website and phone number out again so they can contact you if anyone out there has a child or adult with yes. Asperger's. The phone number is 01905 and the email address Could you spell that out, please, the email address? Yes. As admin, A-D-M-I-N, at W-I-T-S hyphen E-N-D W-E-B dot co dot U-K. If, if, if people type into Google, Ashby Worcester, they will find us. I mean, we've had, we had a family come from Durham the other week. That's a four-hour journey because they weren't getting any support where they live. If you would like to jump on the train from Manchester, um, we're close to Fourgate Street Station in Worcester, Could you give us a bit of a background of the sight loss as well, because you've got some kind of sight loss as well? Yeah, I've got Stargardt disease, but I'm 48. I started having trouble with my vision when I was about eight years old. So Stargardt disease is a macular disease, so it affects my central vision. So I registered as severely sight impaired, everything that comes with that really. So, you know, I, you know, name it and I've got it. So guide dogs, talking stuff, you know. Okay, so a bit about Macular Society, do you want to just give a bit of a background of the actual organisation, what it is, what they provide to people that have got the sight loss or vision impairment like myself, I've got vision impairment registered blind with RP. Okay, well the Macular Society uh, has been around for 30 years, we are the organisation that funds 
research into macular disease. So there's various types of macular degeneration. The main uh, cause of sight loss in the UK today is something called age-related macular degeneration. But there are uh, some conditions that affect uh, younger people as well, macular dystrophies. So what we do uh, is we fund research into macular disease, all types of macular disease. That's for the, it's treatment, uh, prevention and, and potential cure. In the future, that's our main aim, is to put ourselves out of business. Um, and um, to offer information and support to people with the condition. So as you understand yourself, I mean, the, uh, the problem with sight loss is that it can affect you in many different ways. Uh, so we offer information and, and, and sort of support around how to live day-to-day with macular disease, whether that's through peer support, by talking to other people with the same condition as yourself, uh, or daily living uh, skills. So, uh, you know, information around equipment and what equipment to use and adjustments to make at the home. We're very much an information-led service. We have a, a network of peer support groups around the country. Uh, there's over 400 of them. Um, supporting mainly people with age-related macular disease, but there are a few for, for working age and younger people as well, um, because the peer support that they need is at is a slightly different. These uh, groups are run by, uh, by an army of volunteers for the society, so we're very grateful to be able to do that. We also uh, have an advice and information service, so a, a helpline uh, number, which you can contact and, and to talk about everything macular. So whether it's a local... Uh, uh, looking for local support or treatment or just understanding a bit more about your own condition or that of a relative because as you know information is power so the more information you have about a condition you have the better another service we have um, because losing your sight is difficult uh, and can be really sort of taxing on your on your mental health so we have a a counseling service as well so these are trained fully trained counselors who offer the opportunity to talk about uh, the, your feelings around your condition and, and, and how you're um, changing and adapting to the world with your new sight loss. One of the, uh, the, the benefits of our service as well is that of the counselling service that is, is that they'll also talk to family members. So a family member is finding it quite difficult to adjust as well. They'll talk to those. And that includes parents with young people with, with macular disease um, and also young people themselves. So a couple of our counsellors can counsel people from the age of 16, which is really, really good because you can find feel quite isolated with sight loss and especially if you've got a sight loss that's quite rare so you're going to come it's very difficult to come across someone with that condition especially if you're a bit younger um but we, we do lots of other things i mean i could go on for this for, for, for hours and hours so uh, but uh, we have a befriending service a telephone befriending service and my service that i run which is a, a service for working age and young people um, so I offer information and support around employment, welfare benefits. I've got a massive Facebook group with, with nearly 600 members now, all with different types of macular disease, talking to each other every day. I talk to professionals about uh, this, to uh, professionals and teachers about macular disease and how it, uh, how it affects people. It's a very busy job. Um, okay, thank you very much for that. And uh, so like you were saying, you... 
uh, support children. What is the start age and what is the end age or can it be any age? And people like are on benefits, I'm on ESA and PIP, but some might be on universal or different benefits. What do you help with them as well to get onto benefits and employment side as well? Or is it just for when they want to get into school education? Macular disease uh, tends to affect older people, really. Um, so age-related macular degeneration um, tends to affect older people. Young people, uh, children, um, sort of from about the age of eight, but most it can start affecting people. But there's some people that are a bit younger, and most macular dystrophies, late teens, early 20s tend to be the starting point. But everyone's an individual, as you know, so it's really hard to say, hard to pin it down. I give advice around benefits. So I um, I will advise people what they're entitled to, whether that be, you know, as you mentioned, PIP, ESA or universal credit. But I will find somebody in the local area to support them with making a claim. Um, I think that's more beneficial. So having local support is, is, is a real benefit to, to somebody. And I um, talk people through uh, the access to work scheme and things like that if they are, if they are working. Uh, and trying to help them stay in work. We want people to stay in work, not um, not stop. It is true, you have to have people in work, but um, with access to work, is it only to do with work, or can it be done with, through voluntary or work experience, or if you're an internship, apprenticeship, or is it only to do with work? I've read it in the past as well, I don't know what the rules are now, but they always change as well. The rule of thumb is that you need to be in paid employment to have access to work. They have just started an internship, so if you want an internship, you can uh, pick up access to work for that. Voluntary work, sadly not. Um, still still impossible to, to um, have access to work for voluntary work. But it's always worth talking to your local society. So whatever local site loss organisation you've got in your area, you want to often do some voluntary work. Some local societies are able to maybe lend some kit out if you need some bits and pieces to help you do that voluntary work. Always worth having a conversation with them. Okay. Apprenticeships obviously is paid work, so so if you're a young person leaving school, going into an apprenticeship, access to work is also there for you. Before the COVID-19, it's been a year now we've been in the coronavirus, so before the 23rd of March 2020, and now we're in 2021, March 24th, how did it affect the actual organisation and now do you think it's been worth doing it through Zoom and Teams and all these other online so what was the experience before and after and now and going forward we support predominantly older people most of that was done um face to face in our massive network of groups um the befriending was over, always over the phone but we, we moved everything online uh, everything onto the phone or as you say zoom 90 percent of our of our peer support groups for, for older people and for the working age people are now on the telephone in actual fact what was the real benefit of that was some some people that were unable to get to the groups because of transport or just confidence or whatever their reason might have been the fact that they went onto the phone meant that they were able to go and get some peer support in these groups which was fantastic we realized quite quickly that people were going to have quite a, a difficulties using some of this technology so we set up a service called connect by tech it means if you contact the macular society and say you're having problems with with a particular piece of equipment maybe an ipad or your laptop or whatever um, one of our volunteers will give you a call and try and sort out that over the phone so it might be accessibility settings or something like that we can't guarantee to fix them all because it's over the phone but we've you know we've had over 200 um calls on that and we've supported 
positively. So with a nice good outcome, over 90% of the people that have called us, which is fantastic. And the other thing that we've done, which is really good, is that we've started holding monthly webinars. So there's two types. There's a webinar uh, every month about age-related macular degeneration. Um, and things related to that, its condition, its the, the treatment, maybe some of the things that um, you might suspect, like um, nutrition or certificates of vision impairment, that sort of stuff. The other side is the ones that I run as part of my service. So I've got one tomorrow, actually, um, on, on our specific conditions. Because there's so many different types of macular dystrophies that affect younger people, um, I'm doing webinars on different, we call them virtual clinics, on different conditions. So my one tomorrow is on Doyne Honeycomb Dystrophy, uh, which is a very rare condition, but with a leading uh, researcher who's going to talk about that, the research that she's doing into the condition uh, and the management of potential treatment and eventual cure, obviously, because that's always the aim of the game is to find that find that uh, that cure at the end of the rainbow and next month is really exciting too because there's a condition called Charles Bonnet syndrome um, which affects quite a lot of people um, with with uh, macular disease it's been on Coronation Street quite recently funny enough one of the characters got Charles Bonnet syndrome but one of the uh, professor uh, professor Maria Musaji from uh, Moorfield is going to come and talk about Charles Bonnet syndrome for children because it does affect kids as well so that's next month so um, so keep an eye out on the the macular society website for some news about that i've been volunteering and i help out with all the older people with the rnib and with the different voluntary services and it's quite amazing how many uh, sight conditions or syndromes are out there how many do you think that are out there because there's loads and loads if anyone <laughs> wanted to uh, get hold of yourself or like want to volunteer work for this society how can they actually start volunteering working for you guys occasionally we have jobs come up um, which which you can look for on our website um, but we're always looking for volunteers and the way to look for volunteers for voluntary roles with us of course is through our website we're looking for always looking for telephone befrienders always so if you if you like chatting to people um you know on a, on a monthly basis or a fortnightly basis uh, you, you know volunteer to be a, one of our volunteer befrienders i've got some other job uh, voluntary roles around uh, mentoring the connect by tech volunteers always looking for connection a bit whizzy on your old it fancy supporting people over the phone that's uh, that's another service that you can do um, but you can always just ring the um the macular society uh um advice and information service if you want to support yourself or your family wants to support uh, or you want information so our, our support line is 0300 30 111 so that's 0300 111 or you can email help at maculasociety.org help at maculasociety.org which is h-e-l-p at m-a-c-u-l-a-r-s-o-c-i-e-t-y dot o-r-g before we finish it will be good to get hold of you again once this is done and uh, because I do a podcast as well uh, on Sport Tech for W so it's like a Sport Tech uh, on different technology and all that Colin Daniels for the Macula Society